listening to Library Sounds. This was actually our pilot episode. The Western Den was kind enough to stop in and record a session back in September of 2019, almost four years ago, in a world that really doesn't exist anymore. So why am I releasing this now? Well, I feel like I should probably finish things that I've started and I am about to go see the drummer Ben play with Darlingside tonight. So it just seemed like a good time. If you go to our website, there is two songs from the session that are available to watch now. And there are three more songs that might get released at some point. We will see. There's a little red tape, yada, 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 no promises. Enjoy this little time capsule. Enjoy this beautiful conversation with wonderful people and enjoy my first attempt at uh, music journalism or whatever you call this. Maybe it's just uh, talking. My first attempt at talking to people. I'm going to get out of the way. Just listen and enjoy. What about starting? How do you guys like that? Uh, great. Sounds great. Uh, yes. Girls yeah. love starting. Do you guys need anything before we start? Water? Before we actually start? Uh, no. Did we each get footlong subs from Subway? I saw a bird's first flight down, landed in a puddle and nearly drowned. I couldn't help myself, swept right in, interfering so it could begin. From your website, there was never a discussion of forming your band, it just happened. Uh, tell me more about that progression. Yeah, um, I guess Chris and I sort of, well, we, started, we started writing together before we met. So there was a like college online thing called Facebook. That's what it's <laughs> called. And uh, everybody was posting songs for like, it was like accepted students um, for Berkeley. And um, I posted this like unfinished song and then uh, Chris responded to me in a message with like the second half finished, which mm-hmm. was pretty sick. <laughs> that was really fun. And so then when we met up, there wasn't really a discussion. It was like we knew we wanted to create music together. And then as far as like expanding the sound, going from like a duo thing to a larger format band, I think we just make close friends and then we just want to be in the band with our friends so we'll be like yeah that's violin let's do that that sounds great um so yeah it's we really value um the personal bonds of a band uh so yeah started with this sort of unspoken relating to one another creatively and then bloomed from there Where could fans find your first two EPs, and what are you most proud of with them, and what are you sad to leave behind? I yeah, that is a good question. Um, They're on Bandcamp, uh, bandcamp Bandcamp.com. Super easy to find. Um, Yeah, I think I'm most proud of just the fact that we did them, um, because there's a lot of time spent talking about let's make an EP, let's like put together some demos and, and all of this. Um, and all of the processes for these two EPs were really, um, really rushed and kind of laborious, but we kind of just like crushed it out and 
and did them um, and enlisted like a ton of friends to help us do it um, and I think with any sort of previous work it is uncomfortable for you as the artist to listen to them because it's mm -hmm. like representative of not only like what you sounded like but also like what creative choices you made and what you were inspired by and what you wanted people to hear about you and when that changes yeah. over time it's kind of uncomfortable to see that previous version of yourself so um but if you listen to those things there is this like thread of sound like we've always been so inspired by creating new landscapes and new orchestral um, components and lots of harmonic elements and um, yeah deleting them from Spotify wasn't really like it's like this uncomfortable thing because obviously we want to be represented 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 by uh, who we currently are mm -hmm. but in like five years I'm sure the record that we just made, I'm sure we'll be like, why did I sing that note? Um, but you can't really think of it like that. That's the rare and beautiful thing about being in a creative world. I'm sure, I mean, you can relate from being a videographer and photographer and musician too, of looking back on what you've done and not feeling like this cringe moment, but yeah. rather being like proud of the work that you made. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I think yeah. you have to be comfortable with the evolution. Yeah, which is something that I think that I struggled with, just like hearing like a, like a, you hear something that you've done previously. Like I probably would have chosen something else musically, but yeah, it's kind of your the bones are there, and that's where that first love of making music and playing music came from. And mm -hmm. Yeah, it keeps evolving. So. Cool. Thank you. That was a great answer. Um, so uh, you kind of already answered this, but how has your sound evolved over time? Uh, yeah, I think we started out pretty, pretty folksy, pretty mm -hmm. like in that sonic world of like really acoustic, really, um, I don't know, having these motifs of like tunes almost. Um, and also, uh, like we even had like banjo. I think yeah, there's there still banjo. a video on YouTube yeah. with like this <laughs> bluegrassy feeling band, and um, so that's sort of where inspiration was sourced is this organic sound. And I think over time, it's just sort of planted new, wider roots a little bit. And I feel like now we are a little bit more into like this, um, I don't want to say rock, because I feel like people would be like, that's not rock. And they'd be right. <laughs> I think it's a hard thing to categorize, because it dips um, I feel like the sounds we make, uh, we dip our toes in a lot of different things. One of my biggest fears as an artist is being put inside of like a genre box or something and having people uh, already know what to expect. And mm -hmm. I want people to expect to be surprised. <laughs> I was going to say expect the unexpected, but I feel like I've been doing a bunch of idioms so far in this <laughs> interview. So, yeah. It's so funny. You guys, like, answer the questions I'm about to ask. So, <laughs> Is it... Uh, finish the sentence. Expect to be... <laughs> <laughs> Your new sound is more cinematic, ethereal, polyphonic. Uh, it's like a new growth. 
you could say, are there any other artists or experiences that helped you shape the new direction? Mm. Totally. Let's uh, answer. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Anyone you'd like to mention or you want um, your fans to be like, hey, check this out? I'm obsessed with Y Oak. Is an amazing band who every album, it's a completely different iteration of the same sort of like world they create, but in a different way. And I, I think I was really inspired by that. Also, Andy Schaff, his entire discography is super mm -hmm. inspiring. I'm really inspired by his patient arrangements and having things um, be really suspenseful and intense and not needing to like scream what you mean for people to hear you. Yeah. I was really inspired by both of those artists specifically. Yeah. 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 No, I love Andy Schroff. He just has yeah. this like really subtle reserve Makes power. Yeah. A Light Left On, this seems like a reference to the concept of home. Chris is from Bermuda and you, Denny, uh, are from Winchester. Kath is um, from Austin, Texas. Yeah, Kath's yeah. from Austin, and you are from... I'm from Mattapoisin, Massachusetts. Okay. Kind of Sweet. all over, yeah. What has home meant to you over the last few years, and how has the definition changed? And I'm realizing that I need to open this up to the whole band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, home is a really... can be such a difficult thing to... Uh, define at times and then sometimes super easy. Um, I think uh, the immediate example that comes to mind right now is like last night we were just got home from like eight days on the road and or got to our physical home um, and then we just like drank a bunch of wine and laughed and had Indian food and played dumb games on our TV <laughs> yeah. and just like laughed full on belly laughs and that was like, that to me resembles a really strong piece of home that I think um, conjures up a, a lot of really good feelings. Mm. So that's my that's my example of home. Cool. Anybody? Do you want to go like around? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel similar. I, I, it's kind of cheesy, but just like wherever the people you love most exist mm. feels like home, even though. I mean, I just moved like home, home uh, a few months ago, and um, but living somewhere else and having an entire new group of friends and people that I love made it feel like home. So it's like reacquainting myself with the home that I grew up in and like my family and stuff feels good. But then I come back to the East Coast and I'm like, oh, this is kind of where I feel like I belong in a lot of ways. So yeah, people. Yeah, I think that like says a lot too of how adaptable people are like I when I lived in Boston for seven years that was also like that was undeniably where I identified as like I have arrived to this point and then that point of home like just changes wherever and you feel when you when that happens like moving back to where I grew up was um it's when we have this a yeah. similar experience yeah. right now mm -hmm. oh <laughs> so, um, but one thing that was super jarring moving back here after being away for so long was like connecting that bridge of like this childhood version of myself and the current version of myself. And at first it was so uncomfortable for people to 
um, come up to me and have their connotations be me when I was 16 or yeah. something like that. And I felt a need to like prove that I was different than that and different than Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, like all of these different <laughs> things that they had seen in me. Um, and then I realized that why I don't, I should not be so uncomfortable by that. That is me. And I am me now too. And so that is all just a continuation. It's not different compartments. It's just, and once I allowed that to happen, it felt like the right thing. And being close to like family is really incredible and uh, something that I've missed um, for so long. So uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I feel like home, given that it has so much power over you, usually in a positive way when you're growing up, has can have the same power to like sometimes be a, a negative force because mm -hmm. it has so much hold on you. Kind of like music, which I was drawn to when I was young and loved and became a center of my life. Like there's a balance. Like if, I'm, if there's too much music in my life, it can actually become a negative thing because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. So like for home, for me, home growing up was generally a positive place. And it's just it's weird to try to go home and, and the same place doesn't exist anymore, you know? So I've been sort of struggling with, most of them never there actually. <laughs> so I'm there maybe a couple of days a month or something. Ben is in another band called Honeysuckle and they uh, tour all, and other bands too. You were very intimate. So he's been on tour for longer than we have. Mm. Since, yeah. Since day like 195 <laughs> something, yeah. Or wow. since like June or something. So wow. that's what he's referencing. So it's basically just a storage locker with a really huge emotional connotation. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, I, yeah, I've been struggling, like, where do I fit? Sometimes it feels like I I shouldn't be there anymore. It's it's kind of, it's a strange kind of mm -hmm. place. I mean, it's great to come home. There's always a sigh of relief when you walk in the door after being away yeah. for like months and you're like, it's good to like do laundry, you know? Yeah. yeah. But then also I felt at home in other places, like immediately, where I don't know anybody, you know, like a, you just kind of walk into someone's house and you're like, it clicks. So I yeah. don't know. It's, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. It's, maybe it's not a geographical thing. Yeah, I think that's a constant. Like wherever you are or whoever you're, where you're with, that sigh of relief is something that I think is so shared mm -hmm. across all humanity. Really, yeah. like if you feel that, that is your home. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I've gotten that side of relief in, in a bathroom out of sheets, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't we all They're so funny. I, I agree. They're like really yeah. clean and They're nice. Uniform. And you know the locks you're... work and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know what you're getting into. What? Okay, so what's one of your favorite moments in your music career? And was there a moment when you felt like you've arrived or achieved your artistic goals? And are you still searching for that moment? I love every question you've asked. I just have to compliment you. Mm -hmm. Thank it's you. It's not a part of it, but you should include that. Um, <laughs> um, there's There was one moment that we experienced, um, the two of us, that was, it felt like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And it was when um, I wrote I wrote a song in college that is on one of our EPs. It's a song called Carter Hall. And um, I wrote it as like, it was a final project in one of our classes and it had sort of paid this way to this thing that I never thought that we would do. But um, 
at Berkeley there was a uh, the chair of the songwriting department had arranged with Keith Lockhart who is the director of the Boston Pops at Symphony Hall like this whole orchestra um, to have students perform with the orchestra uh, original music so it was like a concert with Melissa Etheridge who uh, is Kath's karaoke choice so this, this was iconic and um so basically that song, another student had done a string arrangement and we performed that with the orchestra and it was earth shattering musically as far as like having like the little intro with the guitar yeah. and then as soon there's like this ocean of sound coming from a symphony orchestra that I started crying almost immediately during the brief rehearsal and like I don't know. I, I, I say, like, I'll never feel that again. I just, I don't think that's true, but it was, like, it's just that first moment I'll never feel again of, like, this sort of crashing wave of sound over you. That was really yeah. eye-opening. Um, and as far as, like, an arrival point, I, recently, like, at least just since our record has been released, at a few shows, no matter how well attended they are, there are people that know all of the words. And that, I can't express how cool that is to think of, like, writing these songs, like, just completely gross in my pajamas in our home at four in the morning, like, noodling yeah. these emotional th things of my life and my reality or your reality and, like, all of these things that feel so, like, I don't know, we're just so lucky. And then, but also to have someone else sing them back to you yeah. is so validating in like a career way but also in like a really deeply personal way like when you write autobiographical music to have somebody be screaming like the second verse <laughs> is like really it feels absolutely unbelievable uh, yeah so i agree with that yeah yeah i think there's like often um, that feeling of arrival can fluctuate so much when you're going from show to show. Um, and we've definitely experienced like the lowest of the lows and then the highest of the highs. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no matter where we are or how stressful it was leading up to showtime or how easy it was, like having that sense of like, people there to hear what we have to offer is always a point of arrival. Yeah. Um, I thought you guys were going to say playing at library sounds, but... Um... <laughs> that, yeah, that's no, that's fine. That's if fine. you start singing, the, singing along while you're filming... <laughs> no, I get it. That's fine. I said today, yeah, in general. What's been the most difficult aspect of pursuing music? Uh, was there ever a time you thought about giving up or doing something else? Every day of my life. Every day. <laughs> Does anybody else want to sing every day? Or no? You don't feel every that way? Right? Dave Matthews Band song? Mm. I think it's a Dave Matthews Band I think it's called What Will You Say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so it's really hard to do this. Um, like, um, I think people still glamorize a lot of it. Um, the music industry has changed 
enormously since the dawn of the streaming like era which we utilize as well i mean it's like all of these luxuries that makes it easier for people to enjoy music and mm -hmm. for people to get their music out there is also a hindrance to making it um lucrative or not even just financially lucrative but um there is so much saturation that even if you experience a blip of notoriety it it will likely be just a blip because there's other yeah. people doing exactly not exactly what you're doing because this is when the cynicism can creep in more than this sort of overarching idealism which is that nobody in the world makes music exactly like you that's just not possible like the, the every person's experience even though it can have similar themes or similar inspirations or similar instrumentation if you're a band nobody is creating exactly the same art so on days that i feel like that i feel confident that there is room for everybody and also like i'm really lucky we to be in a band with these people this is like it really makes it so worth all of the struggles and like yeah i mean we've i've cried we've meaning me i'm an emotional person <laughs> i've yeah. cried in green rooms because i felt so strange i mean what musicians do is very vulnerable and to not feel that validation or that disconnect or even just the whiplash of having like a really excellent show and feeling awesome and then the next day playing for like four hours at a brewery and nobody's there or listening and like you're doing the same thing but the variable is just this energy in the room and mm -hmm. like to have that level of like feeling confident and good about these songs that mean so much to us despite whether or not the ears that are hearing it is are receptive like you have to sort of put up this little wall and i think i don't know it's just hard to regulate your energy output yeah with your energy input i guess yeah um i think if you're not careful like that can really uh, impact the way that you like just your overall outlook on mm -hmm. the continuation of your music career yeah. And it's also sick and dope and fun. I feel like we're saying all the negative no, stuff. No, yeah. It, it, well, <laughs> the question was about like the struggles of it, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I think that like Never mind. that might that. be that for sure is the, some of the biggest struggles. I think. So write me a letter. What advice would you give to other aspiring artists? What part of your journey really worked? What risks are worth taking and what aren't? Hmm. I think just to like piggyback off of going on the negative side of, of like why pursuing music is just difficult in general. Um, Oftentimes, like, the rewards just outweigh all of the negative things, whether it's, like, personal critique or sometimes actually, like, external critique at a, at a show. Um, the things that, that really bring you down and make you not want to continue pursuing music 
Because this is all like, I mean, if you really break it down, no one's really asking you to get in a van and go to like 20 different states in a month and like, you know, play at venues where your draw is unpredictable or there's all these various factors where the show could go south. And yeah, no matter what, I think that the, uh, the positive aspects of that are far more rewarding than any of the, the negative kind of like feelings that can just really creep in and, and linger. I think I would say like, do what scares you because it's often when you grow the most. Like I was just thinking about how Ben and I have both played like our first solo shows very recently and we both said it, we said yes to those because they were terrifying. And we knew that we had to say yes because like, well, we would resent ourselves if we didn't say yes, but that, that there was so much room for growth within that. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you are, if you want to be a musician, you're sort of resigning yourself to live on the edge of mm-hmm. reality in a lot of ways. So it's a lot of the rules that apply to a lot of other people in your life don't apply. So it's it took me a while to stop worrying, you know, because as you as you get older as a musician, like you. you People that are parallel to you in your in your world are doing things that maybe it seems like you can't do yet, and you know, so it's hard to it's easy to get discouraged, I guess. But the whole reason that I would have chosen to do this, I, I would imagine, is because I wanted to live outside of society's expectations for like the trajectory of my life. I wanted to have more control over community building or reality building. So I guess just keeping in touch with that makes a lot of other things that might seem frustrating less frustrating. I also think it's really, really, really important to um, never waver for what your authentic intent is. Like, it, what art you want to make, do that. Like, don't ever think what people want to hear can influence what you are going to create. Because I think it's pretty easy to think like, oh, well, this is trending right now. I'm going to do this. Or like, um, I don't want to write another sad song because all of our songs are sad. But like, whatever you, like, why would you even do it if it's not going to like be your expression? Like, why would you be a musician if you just want it? Don't want to do it for the money. Doing music music <laughs> for the money is hilarious to me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's people. I think I've learned that people can tell when you're not like speaking your truth, and that is the real gift of music and art is being able to convey your truth and having someone agree with you. I guess. Yeah. What would you tell yourself at the beginning of your music career? I am more than halfway through the questions. I promise. Cool. There are a lot. <laughs> yeah. I would grab my shoulders, shake myself, and say, drink water. <laughs> drink more water than you think you should drink every day. And stop smoking, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that one thing that I've been sort of struggling with, or not struggling with, but trying to see from a bird's eye view perspective is like, 
um, like if we play a show, like I mean, even on this last tour, like some of our shows were pretty poorly attended, and I like think about like, oh my gosh, like why are we doing this? this is so we should just not do this. And then I think of like the 16 year old version of myself. And if I were to have known that we would have a van and then be touring with my best friends and we'd have an album on Spotify that we sell on vinyl and like all of these things, I wouldn't, I would start sobbing immediately. And so to like keep yourself in check that like you are doing well, like this is enough like you are enough and like the trajectory will keep going and to like sort of count those blessings if you will like kind of realize that where you are is like probably miles ahead from where I aspired to be even though it's like you know that you have all of these cynical struggles and insecurities but um I would just tell myself just wait it'll be sick (laughs) (laughs) it's perfect yeah um, can you think of a seemingly insignificant moment or interaction that stuck with you and possibly changed the direction of your career or music? I have one. Damn. Is I haven't thought of it. Yes, Chicky, dude. Do you have I was going to say Chicky. Yeah, Chicky. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chicky is this woman that we met by chance at a show on a farm in Plymouth. Plymouth, Massachusetts, and we felt really down after that show because I think that the we, we were playing as a trio, um, the vibe just didn't really seem to fit with, I think, our energies and what we were giving off, or at least that's what we thought at the time. Well, I and think we were playing after this, like, raucous, yeah. like, bluegrass band totally. that was, like, tearing the house down, like, totally so fun and everybody was like dancing and we were playing after them just and it was this like moment and you can finish the story yeah um chime in if i don't remember all the details though so i think that we were kind of after we played there was another band that was also like really ruckus as well and just kind of brought the energy back up and everyone was like smiling and (laughs) laughing and dancing and we were just kind of like eating, <laughs> just eating, eating and drinking, eating not drinking, drinking water. And um, Chicky came up to us and said how much she liked the set. And then we kind of just got to talking with her. And um, I don't know who said it first or where the conversation went after that. I do. You do. Go. This is annoying. I'm making this. <laughs> no, this happened like maybe five, five years ago. To so. bridge the gap. But I think it may have been me, classic, just saying too many things to strangers. But like, I basically expressed this like insecurity of like, yeah, I guess we were like the downer middles, like this downer sandwich and then the, you know two pieces of bread or this amazing, fun, perfect thing. And I felt like we were this disappointing, like, why did we get booked for this gig? And then she said, well, that's just your flavor. Like, they have their flavor, and you have your flavor, and, like, nobody likes just one flavor. And I was like, what? Like, like I was, like, something so simple, but it blew my mind. Uh, because thinking that... Because somebody enjoys 
this like hootenanny-esque fun music or even in other genres just something that's like completely like an upper positive fun and I feel like our music is pretty dark and emotional and intense and I like both things like why can't somebody like both things but I think um, she really plowed through that insecure part of us that thought that like we weren't pleasing people mm -hmm. by being emotional or being ourselves, you know, so tricky. We, she favorite. actually is in the, the liner notes for our previous EP oh. and we thanked her for the encouragement. It's pretty, it changed everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Chicky. 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 Love you, Chicky. Hey, Chicky. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say uh, hey, Chicky? Hey, Chicky. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hello, Chicky. Um, are you happy doing what you're doing? Would you change anything? Yes, I am happy. And uh, yes, I probably would change things. I mean, I guess we, we did change pretty recently. Um, we tore a little bit less. So um, instead of doing like long, month-long or longer <laughs> like um like bouts on the road it's kind of shorter and more tolerable and it's allowed us to sort of settle into having other lives as well um which has made me personally so much more calibrated and happy and i have things to write about like yeah. and uh so i i guess i would just continue to do that is um, instead of sort of pushing yourself, pushing yourself energetically and artistically to this wall of like, are you having fun yet, I guess? Because mm -hmm. I think it can be really hard to do it. I mean, Ben is experiencing this probably right now, but... Um, but we had Indian food last night, and we had a fun <laughs> home day. A wholesome family uh, dinner. Yeah, but I think there's this illusion that, like, one must push themselves to the limit to be successful. I think that's a thread throughout all of society and all of work ethic must be push yourself until you die. <laughs> and I don't think that doing that with an artistic profession specifically is going to do you any favors. Like thinking that one must, you know, lather, rinse, repeat until yeah. you die <laughs> is the way to do it. I think you need to be patient and kind to yourself and know your needs. And um, also it makes tour something to look forward to and not really, like, dread the logistics of, like, I'm still riding the high. I'm not tired yet. So yeah. <laughs> maybe we should keep going. After all of the work that you put into each song, uh, how did you decide which songs you wanted on the album? Um, we went in with with 12 songs um, and we spent 18 days in the studio um, and that includes both tracking and mixing um, and we definitely sat with the songs for a good long time um, just listening to them getting tired of listening to them and then 
still sitting on that and then coming back to the songs and hearing them in a different way. Um, and I think just being really patient with it allows you to see the songs in just the manner in which they should evolve and they should be. And yeah, I think there was just a lot of patience involved. Yeah, and we decided to cut, uh, I guess, two. Yeah. Uh, the, the album was only 10 songs. Um, but one of those songs, um, which is Hold You Upright, which we did today, um, it, I th we're going to be releasing it because one of my biggest regrets is actually not putting it on yeah. the album. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's like all of these things that go into deciding album length and things like that. So, like, um, I think that a sweet spot for an album is like 40 to 45 minutes is something that one can listen to in its entirety. Okay. Um, and that's not a parameter, but I think we wanted a focus to be like, someone can listen to our album from start to finish and not feel fatigued, mm -hmm. I guess. So so that's why we didn't put all the songs on it. It's a, it's a hard labor of love to be like, thank you, but no thank yeah. you. But I think also, I think that uh, part of sequencing an album that feels genuine and feels right should also be not to live within parameters. Yeah, of, totally. Like, this album needs to be 45 minutes, because mm -hmm. if it feels right that it's a 65-minute album, then yeah. that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Put it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this is what felt right for us. Was, yeah. Sue, so kind of already answered them. Uh, what do you love about your life? What's your biggest failure? Unless you want to touch on it. We can talk about that. I love a lot of things. <laughs> um, a memoir. A memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I have recently put less pressure on the idea of being a successful musician. Uh, and that came with some like intense struggles of feeling kind of like stuff that we were talking about earlier of like feeling that you know the things that you put out into the world are not going to measure up to what you actually thought they were going to achieve and in many ways i think that artists when they put something out into the world they if there's not that instant success since that's like the idea of instant success is such a um, such a like a falsity that uh, can just look as if it's the easiest thing. You just put something out and you have the right things in place, and then bam, like you're an overnight sensation. And that's such a dreadful place to like have your music exist as like a side dish to that. Like you, sh you should never put something out for the the purpose of it being successful. Um, and I think that when you have an idea that this is going to be successful, but it's 
that's not met in the world that you think it should be met in, uh, that, yeah, can just be too much pressure to put on yourself. Um, so, yeah, recently I have felt a lot of relief and a lot of ease and a lot of happiness and pride in the work that I have put out because I've, like, come to a place where I've limited that pressure. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was long. Like, Does, yeah, like, I don't know. No, you're, yeah. We're on, like, the last four or five, so, yeah. like, you guys have been great. I feel like I'm long-winded. You guys have been really okay. great. Well, I'm, I love I'm right just now very verbose. about our life that we're all in the same leg position. Oh. I just oh, really yeah. love that detail. We've been here the whole time, too. Yeah. I'm going to move. My legs are asleep. Like, I've been doing some of this, um, but basically <laughs> the whole... Yeah. Uh, yeah. What I love about my life is uh, my friends. <laughs> and... Uh, it is really fun to be a touring musician. That is really a yeah. fun detail. Um, I love, in this new era, living close to my family and having this cool, like, new sources of stimulation. I, I teach music, and I also uh, am a barista at Hopscotch Coffee and Records, located in Winchester, Virginia. I'm hyped thing. Yeah. Thank, hi, Nate. That's my boss. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and also, like, my family is so silly and fun and, like, being able to be around the, like, nuances of them is really special. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just love being present now in this new chapter of our lives. It's super, yeah. super special. Yeah. What do you love about your life? I love having the flexibility to do whatever I want, yeah. whatever I want. I, <laughs> I moved from Boston and kind of a rather structured life with jobs and bosses and whatever, and moved home and live at my family's house where I don't pay any rent, so I can just like drive away and leave home. For, I'm, I'm going to be gone for like five months by the time I return, and I'm, I'm just bopping around, staying on couches, going on tour here and there, and just like, it feels great. I just really needed that. Our office at home is called Cat's it's room. Cat's room. Bedroom. It's, just, it's Cat's Bedroom. It's Cat's Bedroom. That's what we call it. It's my That's room. awesome. <laughs> so, I love that. What do you love about your life, Ben? I love that I can make a living playing music. Yeah. That's yeah. lovable to me. Despite all the challenges that it presents, you know, when I really think about it, uh, I'd love it even more if the tax law changed just a little bit. <laughs> but also, I love, similar to Kath, that I can essentially drop off the face of the planet. Not That's not really what she said, but... Like, I can, I can like, if, uh, given my schedule, I can uh, just leave if I want. For I can go into the woods for a week, or I can, you know spend time with people in a really intense way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of being tied to uh, some repetitive pattern of a schedule which is helpful for like following my heart when I want to do something I can mostly just do it yeah yeah you just burn through some Kurt Vonnegut burn through yes. Vonnegut yeah. burn just me and a big jar of pickled eggs and all <laughs> Vonnegut's a whole Collection in the passenger seat. I was wondering if you were gonna bring a pickled eggs and then grilled. You could beat that out. No, um, don't don't beat it out. Whole jar. Big jar. Yeah, pickled beef. 
Um, what kind of feelings do you hope your songs inspire in people? Um, what kind of feelings? Man, I really think just whatever comes out. Um, I, and maybe that's a feeling. Like, just, I want the, like, release. Like, I want it to just, like, be a removal of a cork, yeah. if you will. Like the wine we had last night. Mm -hmm. But, um, like, this... And that's happened a few times. Sometimes someone will say they they liked a specific song and then they'll tell me a story of their life and like really intense. And the weird part about being a musician is being able to sort of like have people see themselves in you and have this like intimate closeness to you because you said it, you know, and then they're agreeing with you and it's on they feel people feel seen and then we feel seen because of it so it's like you cross not even just a small talk era of closeness you 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 cross a hefty amount of land of like friendship and normal bonding patterns um into this other world a woman the other day told me about a friend's son that had just died of like cancer and like how one of our songs brought that out in her and she got to, to tell me about the son's life and all of these things that, I mean, to her, really, I, I am a stranger and she is a stranger to me and to completely, like, just meet each other on this other energetic landscape is, like, a really powerful thing and I hope that continues. So I don't think it's necessarily one specific feeling, but rather just the concept of feeling, I think. Besides music, what medium inspires you? Photography is really cool. Yeah, I think an image can conjure up so many things. Picture says a thousand words, huh? Yeah, nice video. <laughs> That's cool. Um, also, I've been reading so much recently, uh, and just the art of writing in general, and like, being able to like, I mean, all you're doing physically is staring at paper and your consciousness is completely in this other world, right? And that is extremely powerful to have something so transportative despite being like sitting down. Usually, well, maybe I'm in the, in the bath <laughs> <laughs> with some wine staring at paper and then your mind gets to go somewhere else. your biggest failure? I mean, obviously you don't have big failures because <laughs> you guys are like rock stars and you know, nothing bad ever happens. Yeah, I might be able to yeah. be yelled <laughs> on <laughs> <in> my ears. <laughs> I don't have like a, a one-time thing that I did that was a failure, but I think that's just the thing that comes to mind is like forgetting to um, uh, encourage myself based on how far I've come in my life and yeah. how I've accomplished things that I wanted to accomplish. Like whenever I get low, I'm like, oh God, I'm just, I'm not doing what I want to do and I'm not where I want to be and I just feel whatever. But 
when I think about how far I've come and the things I've achieved that I wanted to achieve, like specific goals that I have met, yeah, I just like, it's important to recalibrate, as you say, and just appreciate oneself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my biggest failure thus far is not developing a relationship, a healthy relationship with failure itself. Mm -hmm. Like thinking that I, because of some circumstantial failure, that I am a failure. A lot of times that happens to me when you're playing shows, you put too much of your ego, your identity hinged on this, on what someone's face looks like when they're like listening to you or, yeah. like, or like how someone treats you at a venue or you know just like little things that are out of your control that become like how your day is gonna go yeah mm -hmm. so like what I, I, and I have to look back at my life and realize that I maybe I haven't actually really ever like truly failed mm -hmm. you know what I mean like mm -hmm. like what is a fit like a failure to me feels like some total destruction like you know like rock bottom and now mm -hmm. I haven't I haven't been lucky enough to not have that. I get obsessed with small things that I perceive as failures, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, what Ben said is a really, I think, common pattern of like, the way we like paint our memories and experiences, mm -hmm. where like objectively, it's really cool. I mean, it's like bridging what you said too. It's like objectively everything is fine. Even if something goes wrong, it's fine. Like there's like, I always say to myself when I'm afraid of something, like what's the worst thing that can happen? And usually the answer to that question, once you say it out loud, isn't scary anymore. Um, but all of the moments that I regret the most in my life are moments that I know that little voice in my head has, has painted yeah. in these ways that I think I could have controlled a little bit better. Or like, if I feel insecure and I'm like completely, or, or just anxiety ridden about anything, I mean, not just in our careers, but in life, like feeling um, just, maybe it is a fear of failure that causes one to paint mm. these things and like the, we want to I, I think the unique human consciousness experience is that like you are aware that other people are aware of you and I think that caring what other people think of you is a failure I guess and I think that as soon as you disconnect that and you um, just live your truth and your authentic life, I don't really believe one can fail, I think. I keep ending all my senses with I think. <laughs> like a like Yoda-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of starting with it. Uh, yeah, so I think that's it. Um, I should probably like wrap it up with yeah. something. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a weird one to end on. So, um, are there any other bands you would like to see on the show? Ooh. On this show, cool question. Ooh, yeah. Uh, go through all of our. If you could get the Felice brothers, I would pass out. Felice, the make Felice Ben brothers. pass out. Yeah, let's make Ben pass out. Um. There is an artist I really love named Aurora Birch, who is really powerful. Olivia Barton. Olivia Barton. Also. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boketto the Wolf. <laughs> That's Kat's other band. Mm -hmm. Future oh, yeah. Tunes. 
Future Teens is is uh, there's some good friends of ours and um, from Boston and they're just the best. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, how do you think I did? You <laughs> nailed it! I nailed it! I crushed it. I feel like we were just having a conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? No. We end with one of these. Yeah. Okay. Count it off, Ben. One, two, three. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Nielsen for assisting with this session. Steven Rossner helped with mastering the audio tracks. You can check out Denny's new solo project that I filmed a couple visuals for, uh, and you can find Denny and Ben occasionally playing with Darling Side on tour or in studio. Check our show notes for information on that. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Oh, I'm always trying to make everything all right, but talking for hours about the sun could never light up the darkest night. Light up the darkest. Could never light up the darkest night. Light up the darkest.